Praise Jesus. Amen. Give him that hand praise. Amen. With all of your strength, with all your might. Amen. Praise God. You may take your seats today. God is good. Amen. What a wonderful presence can be felt this morning. Amen. God is here. Amen. His presence is here. And uh, I hope that you have uh, purposed in your heart to, um, to experience him, to invite him, to have him be uh, part of what you are doing here today, this morning. Because if you are just here, just to be here, out of duty, out of I don't know, just to be here. Um, there's not a whole lot in that. But when you can purpose in your heart to serve him and worship him and, and make a difference, uh, uh, leave, not leave this place empty-handed, but with something in your, in your heart, in your life, that is, that is a good thing. Amen. So praise God. Let's give him another hand praise, and we're going to be starting shortly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. I want to give honor to uh, our pastor for allowing me to be here. I'd like to give honor also to my wife. That helps me a lot. <laughs> she lets me sleep. Lets me take time to, to read and plan. Amen. So uh, I'd like to give acknowledgement for that as well. Amen. And, and the Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. And we're going to uh, read out of Psalms, Psalms 102. Amen. Psalms 102. Verse 25. Psalms 102, verse 25. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And if you can just join me very quickly, amen. We're going to just kick this off with a prayer, amen. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge your presence here today. We thank you for what you are doing, my Lord, and what you will continue to do here today. You are wonderful and you are amazing, Lord. I pray that you, my Lord Jesus, may anoint me, Father, with fresh anointing this morning, Lord, and that your word may fulfill its purpose. Uh, every uh, soul and every heart, my Lord Jesus, and that you, Lord, that your uh, will may be done in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. The Word of God says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. In other words, this earth will perish. It will pass, right? But you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can take your seat. Praise God. Amen. This word is telling us that our God, amen, we serve a God 
that is constant. Amen. We serve a God that does not change. We serve a God, amen, that was the same, amen, yesterday, and it's going to be the same in the future. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are glad for that? Amen. That we serve a God that does not change. Amen. And there are many schools of thought. There are many um, thought patterns um, where in this world that tell you or that tell us that God changes or that God is not the same or that perhaps what was good for generations past is not good for us today. Amen. They have this mentality that, um, you know, and maybe they place this under religion that it's only good for a certain group of people or that it's only good for a certain age bracket. Amen. But we know that that is not true, right? Because this word says, amen, that our God does not change. He says, from the foundation of the earth, our God is the same, amen. And he says that this earth will pass, this earth will change, you and I will change, but our God will not change, amen, hallelujah. Let's give him a hand praise for that, hallelujah. And in school or in class, um, we've been teaching our, our kids that uh, the concept of probability and how um, everything in this world, everything that we experience, everything that we see is, can kind of be determined by chance. Something as simple as eating a, a muffin, a blueberry muffin, you know, you don't know how many blueberries are gonna be in that muffin. It's a chance. You might get a really good one or you might not. I mean, if you get a Costco one, it's going to have a lot of blueberries in there. It's going to be amazing, right? But you still don't know how many it's going to have. It's probability. And that's how this world is. It's, it's chance. It's, it's, it's probable that you may or may not obtain certain results or get certain things. But I'm so glad that I have an opportunity to tell my children that our God does not change, that our God is constant, that our God who is the same yesterday and tomorrow, amen, is there for them. He is a God of power. He is a God of might, amen. We just finished singing an amazing song, amen, and if you were paying attention to those lyrics, amen, what a beautiful, what a beautiful song, amen, because our God our God is faithful. Our God is there. Amen. Even when you and I change, even when our circumstance, circumstances change, whatever the enemy, whatever the adversary, whatever he sets for evil, our God changes for good. Amen. Because that is the type of God that we serve. We serve that type of God. Amen. And he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Amen. To do what is impossible for us. And you can take that to the bank. You, you, can, you can absolutely rest assured that that is how it is. What he says, it doesn't matter if it's going to happen in the future, if it's going to happen in 10 minutes, 
in 10 days or 10 years, when the Lord says something, it's as good as done. And that's a concept. That is something that we have trouble breaking down, you know, how God works because we are so limited by our natural mind. You know, we have, you know, like I said, our thought patterns are, are limited to the laws of nature or they're limited to, to skies. They're limited to fences. They're limited to, to death. They're limited to adver uh, adversities. They're limited, amen, to the things that confine us, that restrain us. But our God is not. He, and, and we have trouble sometimes processing that because we just can't comprehend how great and how God, how he is. But the word of God tells us so much about the, the God that we serve and how he is a God of the impossible. How he is a God that can change things, that can do things when there is no more hope, when there is no more options, when there are no more recourses for us, when we are out to the very end of what we can do. That's when our God steps in and that's when he can do mightily and amazingly well. Amen. He is not confined, amen. He is not confined by the laws of physics, the laws of nature. They don't stop him, amen. We serve a God that is just beyond all that. He is way beyond all that. And that is the God that wants to have a relationship with you. That is the God that wants you. And, sometimes, and we think like, again, the song that we started, the, kicked off the service with, amen. Who am I, what am I that he would be so mindful of me? Mankind is nothing. We're so uh, frail. We're so fragile. We're so, you know, but our God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be, have a relationship with you. He wants you to invite him into your heart. He is amazing. There's a passage in the Bible where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he invites them somewhere. Luke 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 22. Luke 8.22 says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Seems pretty normal, right? Let us go out to the other side of the lake. Is there anything extravagant about that wording, about that comment, about that phrase? But when you think about it, what did we just say? Our God is faithful. Our God is a God of truth. 
Our God does not lie. So when he says to them, let us cross over to the other side, that's what that means. He says, we are here, but we will be there because we're going to cross over to the other side. But then life got in the way. Adversity came. The laws of nature started cramping down on the disciples, and they forgot what Jesus said to them. And he said, let us cross over to the other side. Verse 23 says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. They were in danger. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying one to another, Who can this be? Let me tell you something. Who is this man? He is the one that said, let us go over to the other side. So anything that happened between now and then really didn't matter because they were going to go to the other side. It may as well have been the Atlantic. It didn't matter what it was. They were assured that they were going to go over to the other side. And that is your God. That is the God that you need to put your trust in. That is the God that will carry you when he gives you a promise. When he gives you a word. When he says something, you can rest assured that it will come to pass. If there is something in your life that he has given you promise over, you can be assured that it will come to pass. Amen. Let us go over to the other side, he says. And the Lord gives us promise after promise, hope, strength, wisdom, faith. Amen. But if you never read this book, you will never know the promises that God has for you. He has so much that he has laid out and they've been Pen, they've been written in a certain way in this book to help to allow us to understand what God has for us. But if we never, if we never look at this book, if we never read it, if we never commit it into our hearts, in our minds, we are not going to know the promises of God over us. Amen. We're going to be ignorant. We're going to be ignorant of the value that this book has for us. And, and we have to find out you would not want to be in a position where, you know, I don't know, where you have an enormous inheritance, but you don't know anything of it. At that point, what does it matter, right? Who cares? It doesn't matter. But this book, it matters. Because this book will save you. This book will change your life. This book will change your heart. This book will change your mind. This book will change your family members. It'll change your spouse. It'll change you. It'll change your parents, your family members, your friends. It will change the people, amen, around you. 
But if you never look at it, if you never read it, you will never know that it says, come to me, those who are weary. You will never know that. You will never know that it says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But out of all of them, all of them, the Lord will deliver you. But you may not be in a position where you know that. So you can't claim it. You cannot claim it. You'll never know that you are a chosen generation. You'll never know that you are a royal priesthood. You'll never know that you are a holy nation or that you are special to Him or that you have been called to proclaim the praises of Him, amen, that has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He has so much promise for us. We have to know about it. You have to know about it. David. We talk about David so much. And there's a lot to say about his life and who he was. Amen. He was anointed to be king when he was a young boy. He wasn't king the next day, was he? Or the next week. But in the eyes of God, he was as good as king. Because the Lord gave the promise. David had the right attitude. He had the right mind. He had the right heart. As long as he continued serving God, whatever happened between this time that he was anointed to the time where he was to become king, that was in the Lord's hands. It didn't really matter. The Lord was not done with him. So you know what? There was no need for him to fear the lion. There was no need for him to fear the bear. There was no need for him to fear Goliath. Because the Lord was not done with him. He had been anointed to be king. The Lord basically said to him, let us go over to the other side. I will see you king on that side. I will see you king on that side of your life. So it didn't matter anything in between. The Lord was not done with him. So there was, you know, there was nothing I mean, we all have will, right? Self-will. He could have deterred out of the path, out of the, the righteousness, the, 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 what the Lord had laid down for him. And things could have gone wrong. But as long as he kept the course, as long as he continued doing what he was doing, as long as he continued serving God and spending time with him in the solitary areas out as a shepherd, amen? As long as he continued, he would be king, amen? Our God is great. He doesn't change. He is the same. When he gives a promise, it's a promise, and it will be fulfilled. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him a, another hand praise. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Moses. 
Moses went from being favored in Egypt, walking with royalty in the house of Pharaoh, to a shepherd out in the wilderness. You could even say that he was reduced to practically nothing. No status, no member of society where he would be revealed or he would be Mr. Someone. In fact, the sheep that he was tending weren't even his. They weren't even his. He worked for his father-in-law. But it was there in that wilderness that he had an encounter with God. It was there in that place, in that mountain, that he experienced a transformation in his life. And he was given a word from God. He was given a promise from God. He was given an assignment. He was given a vision. Amen. He was given a task. That was so important. So he went from having very little purpose to being handed a role of vision, amen, a responsibility of what God wanted to do with his people. Moses became very important to God at that point, right? Would you agree with that? He became extremely important. He went from no responsibility, really, apart from tending the sheep. But no real spiritual benefit is what I'm saying. He went from having no responsibility to having a ton of responsibility because he had now been given a word from God. And you could say at this point that he became the single most important person in the face of this planet. Because he was going to lead God's people to freedom. Amen. So very, very polar ends. Amen. He became extremely important. To, but let's read Exodus. Exodus 4.24. What does this verse tell us? Exodus 4.24 says, and it came to pass on the way at the encampment or at the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Let's do a double take on that scripture there. Moses went from being a no one to being extremely important to the Lord, extremely important to God. He had a job. He had a role. He had something to do. The number one and most important person in this world. But verse 24, there's telling us that the Lord wanted to kill him. How does that make sense? That he has been given a job from the Lord. He's been given a task. And that yet the Lord wants to end his life. Even though Moses was highly important to God. Even if it meant using a different vessel. 
even if it was going to use somebody else, he would have done it. And that our selfishness, our selfishness hurts the people around us. It hurts those that we love. Can you imagine because of his disobedience, his, his people out in Egypt would have been suffering another length of time. It could have been 80 years. It could have been 40. It could have been 100. It could have been 200 more years. We don't know. All we know is that that was enough to separate him from God. And thanks to his wife, everything went well. <laughs> Praise God. God wants to use you, my friend, my brother, my sister. God wants to use you. But if there is hardness in your heart, he will not be able to. He wants to use us. We are vessels that he wants to use. But if our heart is not right, he will use a different vessel. Yes, he will. He will not be able to fulfill his word in your life, not because he changes or that he is no longer powerful. No, it's because of our heart and disobedience that he cannot fulfill his work. He is a holy God, and he cannot cohabitate with sin. He cannot. Luke 19. Luke 19. I'm sorry, Luke 11. Luke 11, 9 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God loves you. God loves you. If you read this book, you'll realize how much he loves you. He has a reward for you. He has purpose for you. But disobedience and sin will separate us from God. It will drive a wedge between you and God. He has so much promise for us. He, he puts it in words here and look that we can understand. Brother Gabriel just talked about a simple hug that he gave to his daughter. You give things to your kids even when, you know, they're not on their best behavior. You still do things for them. How much more our Father in heaven, our God loves us. He loves us. But there's that one thing that he cannot stand, that he cannot live with, because we serve a holy God. And the Bible mentions that disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. Just, just ask Saul. 
as King Saul. He was anointed. He had all the qualities of being a king. He was chosen by God. But his disobedience cut him off from a relationship with God. His disobedience separated him from God. Having the throne, having the crown, having so much at his disposition. He had people around him. He had a prophet to speak wisdom to him. And his disobedience separated him from all of that. You can see that in 1 Samuel 15, 23. It says, for rebel we separate ourselves from God. If we start doing things that are not correct, if we start intoxicating ourselves with, the, with what this world offers to us, God is not obligated to do those things. God works. But he is a God. And he loves you. And he has promised for you. We got to continue walking. We got to continue doing what we have to do. We got to continue doing our job. We got to continue to be committed. We have to continue reading this word. So much for you and for me. He has so much uh, that he has planned for us. He has purpose for our lives. If you feel that there is no purpose in your life, read this book. It will give you purpose. It will give you purpose. It will give you a roadmap. It will give you a promise, amen, that God has for you and that he has for me. I want to end with this. Our God is constant. And he wants to be involved in your life. He wants us to fulfill the role. Amen. There's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters to him. And it's not our riches. It's not what we have. It's not the stuff that we have. It's not the things that we can get. It's the souls. And if you have to start with you with your soul, this is the time to start. Later we'll expand, amen, to those around us. But your commitment with him needs to be first today. If you have not been serving God and you've been disobedient or you've been a little slacking, God wants you to change that today. He has so much for you. He has so much promise for you. Let's be on our feet. Let's thank the Lord for all that he's done. What he has done up to now. And you may find yourself in a situation or a position where the adversary came and he has meant a lot of things for evil in your life. But that can change today. That will change today if you want it to change. Come and seek the face of God this morning. Come and be honest to him. You don't need to bring fancy words. Just come and talk to him. Your God wants to love on you.
He wants to love on you. He wants your commitment. Amen. And this is the time to do it. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. If you want to come to the altar, it is open. Have a moment with God. Have a moment with your God this morning. He wants to change you and he wants to love on you. Praise the Lord. Let's worship him. Self away, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. 